So Father, we thank you tonight that your presence and your power, Lord, is here. And you are here, Lord. We just come in these moments, Lord, with, with hearts that are so hungry for you and wide open for you to do what only you can do. Lord, for you to do what you desire. We thank you, Lord, tonight that even as we uh, just sit under the word and as we spend more time in ministry and prayer, that you would breathe something fresh, Lord, not only upon us as individuals, but upon the church in Calgary. God, we are here to contend tonight for a city. We are here to contend tonight, Lord, for, for a nation. We are here to contend tonight, Lord, for souls that still need to come into the kingdom. And so we pray, Lord, tonight, Father, that there would be such a, 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 a outpouring of your spirit fresh upon us, Lord. And God, do it tonight, we pray, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, welcome to Empower Conference 2020. Woo! I'm going to ask Craig Hill to come at this time, and why don't you give somebody a high five as you're seated tonight. So, come on. <laughs> wow. Mm, yeah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Would it be okay if just for five seconds we all said, thank you, Holy Spirit? No, all of us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just leaned over and said to, and thank you, worship team. Thank you, thank you. Amen. I leaned over to our guest speaker a moment ago. And I just said, Matt, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. The atmosphere is so rich, as you said, Pastor Ben and Heather. We say yes, Holy Spirit. And I just want to jump right in and get under the word that you're going to release. Um, but my task is to tell you the announcements. So, so you ready? These are the fastest announcements that you're going to hear. Dessert bar is open after service. Doors are open tomorrow morning at 9. Pre-service prayer at 9.30. You got it? Breakfast bar after service. Doors are open at 9 tomorrow morning. Pre-service prayer at 9.30. Invite some people to be here. With no further ado, Pastor Matt, come on up. We want to welcome you. And I was, I was thinking to myself, how do I properly announce and introduce Matt Tapley for this evening? And it's particularly tricky when you don't know somebody. I don't know what to say about his church background. I don't know what to say about his leadership. I don't know what to say about his family. But what I do know what to say is it was this time last year that I was here sitting with you and I sat under the ministry that Matt brought on this platform last year. And the grace and the anointing that he carries shifted things in the atmosphere and over our city. I was here. And I'm gonna tell you super quickly as I introduce Matt and hand this over to him. A dear friend of this house and of the place that we give leadership to in February, it was in the middle of an evening service and the Spirit of the Lord came heavy over him and he began to prophesy and he began to prophesy over Matt Tapley. Matt Tapley, Matt Tapley, First Assembly, Imagine Church, Calgary, Matt Tapley. And he just began to say that through Matt Tapley's influence in Calgary, God intends to move. We receive you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Somebody sent me that, uh, Melanie DeSequera sent me that uh, prophetic word, and uh, it, was, it was radically encouraging because I've never even met Richie, the guy who was prophesying. It was just, you know, he, and uh, he just started speaking over our church and this church and, and uh, just what God's doing. And, uh, you know, God, God is building his church. I don't, know if you, I don't know if you thought he was exaggerating, but... Uh, when Jesus speaks, he's telling the truth. He's building his church. And um, hell's not going to stop it. And uh, we have the privilege of partnering with him in what he's doing. And I feel like the Lord is stirring something unique tonight. I just want to jump right into the word, if that's all right. 
um, because I, I there's just there's so much that is stirring in this atmosphere tonight, and it's, there's something about just grabbing hold of that. You know, the Bible says that if we will draw near to God, He will draw near to us. No big deal. But the God of the universe has already made up His mind about getting close to you. Think about that. Now here's the deal. God draws close to us for salvation, but we draw close to him for intimacy. If we will draw close to him, he will draw close to us. And so I just, I think there's something that is just pregnant in the atmosphere uh, because there has been, it's been 21 days, right? You guys have been doing 21 days of of prayer and fasting and calling on God. Um, I just want to honor your leadership, man, Heather. You guys just, just setting that prayerful course. I felt like the Lord was just speaking over you guys as I was praying for you, that because you've been faithful in the secret place, he's going to honor you in the open place. And, and that, that prayerful leadership, um, you know, when you're a part of something, sometimes you, you don't realize what you're a part of until you go on vacation or something. But there's a prayerfulness that you can feel in this house and in the leadership of this house. And uh, that's, a, that's a treasure. And so I just honor you for that and believe that God is going to honor you and, and blow open the doors. And uh, I, just, I just know that God's got great things in store. I love this house. I, don't, I can't count how many times I've been to First Assembly. And uh, man, I just, when I was here last year, something, something just settled in my spirit uh, of just how amazing it is to see the bride of Christ experience healing and restoration. And God has healed and restored something here. And, and great days, the greatest days are coming in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. All right, I want you to take your Bibles. I'm going to preach from the Bible. There's so many good sermon ideas in the Bible. So <laughs> That's a joke. Okay, take your Bibles. Turn to Genesis 28, if you would. And uh, I want to talk to you tonight. Uh, about a certain place. And if you don't have a Bible, you can try to read it on that 12-point font right there. We're going to do it. And, uh, and, and just believe that God's going to bring an awareness to his word. I believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what God's word says. So faith is about to be released into this atmosphere that previously wasn't here. So let's, let's go. Let's get into the word. Genesis 28, verses, start at verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba... And set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, everybody say a certain place. If you have, uh, you know, an analog Bible, go ahead and circle that. If you've got a, if you're using your phone or something, uh, highlight that, and make sure that if you're using your phone, just use it for that. I see you. Okay. When he had reached a certain place. He stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I've promised you. Verse 16, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called that place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, 
then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. I want to talk to you tonight about cultivating an awareness of the presence of the Lord. And about our need to cultivate that awareness of the presence of God. Verse 11, where we were just reading tonight, says that when Jacob reached a certain place, it doesn't sound like it was a special location in and of itself. It seems to me that as Jacob was walking on his journey, and this journey that Jacob is on is one where he has, he has really somehow by the Holy Spirit, I'm not going to get into it in depth right now, but he, he had cultivated an appetite for the spiritual as a young man. That he had an appetite for an inheritance. It wasn't just agreed that he wanted to have, you know, his father's belongings, but he had an appetite for the spiritual promise that was given to his grandfather and his father. He said, I want that. And he actually craved it in such a way that he had actually kind of swindled his brother to get it. And his brother's name was Esau, and Esau means hairy. Not short for Harold, just hairy. The Bible says that when Jacob and Esau were born, Esau came out first, and he was covered in red hair. What a beautiful picture of the wonders of childbirth. That his brother was red and hairy and he became this, this man of the open field and wild hunting and wild game. And the Bible says that Esau had no passion or desire for the inheritance. In fact, he traded it one day for a bowl of soup because he had no value for what was actually available spiritually. But Jacob cultivated an appetite for the spiritual. And in that cultivated appetite for the spiritual, he was willing to do anything to get it. And he, he even did some things that, as we read, are just kind of like, man, that's kind of a little underhanded. And he, and he kind of tricked his, you know, his dying dad and all this stuff. He, he wanted the birthright really bad. And so here we find Jacob, in the text that we're reading tonight, having his first profound encounter with God himself. This promise that he had heard his grandfather talk about. He heard his grandfather talk about, Abraham talked about, you know, God appeared to me and said that I was going to be the father of many nations. And, and then, you know, Jacob and Esau both hear the same stories. Oh, you're going to be the father of many nations. That's great. Let's count cousins. Uh, there aren't any. Because Abraham had one son of promise. And then Isaac has one set of twins. And of those twins, one guy has no heart for the inheritance whatsoever. But Jacob cultivated a heart for spiritual inheritance and for what God was making available. And so here he is now with that cultivated heart for inheritance. It's his first-hand encounter with God. And he, he's on a journey and he stops in a certain place. And the Bible says when he stopped in a certain place... God began to speak to him. God spoke to him in a dream. When Jacob stopped moving, God started speaking. He got still and he rested. And the Bible tells us in Psalm 23 that, that the Lord is our shepherd. And among the things that he does in our lives is when, when he's leading us, often what he gets us to do is he makes us lie down by still waters. He tries to get us to a place where we'll be quiet enough to listen for his voice. Psalm 46 says that we need to be still and know that he is God and actually quiet ourselves in the midst of the chaos and the turbulence of life. I've heard this quote. You can think on it if you'd like here tonight. And it says this, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Now, Obviously, I don't agree with the theology of that statement because I don't think the devil can make you do anything. Take responsibility for your own life. That's just for free. But the intent of the statement is really this. Watch out for the barrenness of busyness. 
that you might have all of your theology lined up and you might have all of your character stuff lined up and you might have good ritual and good discipline in your life, but you can actually get so busy, even with good things, busy even with ministry, busy even with spiritual stuff, that if you don't keep it aligned to a heart hunger with God, you can actually even make an idol out of ministry and become barren through the busyness of just doing stuff even for God. And so Jacob, is, he's got a lot going on in his mind. If you're in the context of what is being discussed here in Genesis 28, he's wrestling through his destiny. He's trying to sort through what God's saying to him. He's heard Grandpa talk about what God promised to him and how that was being passed down to his dad. And they both have talked about their encounters with God. And Jacob is wrestling through, is that true of me? I want that, but I haven't experienced it for myself. He's wrestling through questions of destiny. He's sorting through the anger of his brother Esau from having stolen his birthright. Jacob is nervous to meet his brother after having stolen and swindled the birthright out of him. He's scared of a red hairy hunter. I would be scared too. By the way, red hairy hunter sounds like a CBC show based on country music or something. The red hairy hunter show. Anyways. He's also working through the expectations of his dad and the weight that is on him of family expectation. And his father has sent him on a journey to go and find a wife. That's what, that's, that's what Jacob is doing in real time as we're reading this text. And so he's got work drama. He's got family problems. He's got lady troubles. He's got all kinds of stuff going on. But when he came to rest in a certain place, when he just stopped moving, when he got to the spot where he got quiet before God, God began to speak. Now I'm going to say something to you tonight, and I'm saying it to myself as well. My intent is not to offend you, but my, my intent is to say to you, what is my observation, and I'm speaking primarily to, to people who are born and raised here in Canada. So if you're here from somewhere else, please forgive me as I speak directly to kind of those, the, 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 the you know, second, third generation Canadian. Is that okay? I'm going to do it anyways. I just was <laughs> being nice. Here's what I've observed in my ministry. People are hungry for God but they're distracted. Can, can we admit that tonight? We're hungry for God, but we're distracted. We got a lot going on in our minds and not all of it is profound. Not all of it is like, oh, I'm just carrying the burdens of the church of Jesus Christ. And I am just, I'm just laboring in prayer, but I also... Totally need to see what's happening on Instagram about 17 times an hour. You know, like, why am I teasing you about if you're, if you're going to use your, your phone as your Bible, make sure that you're using it as your Bible. Why am I teasing you? Because I know what's happening. I know what's happening. I'm not trying to be a heavy. I'm just, I, I'm saying, I know what's happening. We become good as a culture. We become good at, at having a conversation and scrolling mindless stuff all at the same time. And we think we're multitasking, but really we just suck at paying attention. Really we're just distracted. My wife and I, we went out for, for dinner last week and uh, we're just sitting there having dinner at a nice Italian restaurant because that's the will of God and, and we're enjoying you know, some Italian food and and my wife, Lisa, she's, she's just like such a pastor to the core and got such a loving heart. And we're sitting there and, and she kind of, you know, she's kind of got this face. And I'm like, what's the matter? And she's looking beyond me and she's like, that guy has not looked up at that girl all meal. And like Lisa has a really expressive face. Like sometimes Lisa will be telling a story when we're at a restaurant and I'll be like, honey, just smile or something because people might think we're having a fight, you know. <laughs> And you're just telling me the story, right? And then I kind of got that face when they stood up and they went to leave and we realized the woman sitting across from him was his 16, 17-year-old daughter. 
And as they sat there and had dinner, he never once looked up. He just, uh-huh, yeah, honey, mm-hmm. See, we've become distracted. We've got so much activity in our lives. And the activity ranges from the trivia of the useless to the tyranny of the urgent. That we're, we're filling the space with, with noise by choice. We're doing it. No one is saying to you, you know, you need, you need to scroll social media for X amount of minutes or hours per day. We're, we're just doing it to ourselves. And come to the end of the day like, oh, I'm just so busy. Whew. Like I wore my thumb out liking photos today. It's unbelievable. And I liked a few salads that I saw as well so that my friends think that I like salad. And I'm busy. And I'm not knocking being busy, but some of our busyness is actually distraction. Can we be honest? Can, can we be honest? And like, just, I've had the privilege and the opportunity for the last number of years to actually get to get around the world in some limited scope and see what God is doing in, in different nations of the world. And I've seen with my own eyes the move of God's spirit that like, like I, I preached in a church in Ethiopia. The church was six weeks old. We met under a tree. That's how new the church was. In a way out remote area. And this church was just, you know, six weeks new, about 40 people stuffed, you know, under, under the, the, this, this tree. When I preached, it's the only time this has happened so far in my life, I preached through double translation. Like I preached in English, then this guy translated into something, and then that guy translated into something. Like I went to the bathroom as I started preaching. I was, I'll be back. You know, like, like it took a while. It didn't really happen, but I could have. And this fledgling brand new church wasn't fledgling at all. The quality of believers in this brand new church was so fiercely intense. And, and I can't give away all the details because I don't want to risk security and stuff. But like, like there was like persecution that was evident the minute I was done preaching. And the people came to me saying, wow, this is what you're preaching about. The light of the gospel is breaking out here. And I was humbled going, why am I preaching when there's that kind of boldness? I've been, I've been in Brazil where like the worship service starts before the worship service starts. Like people come early and yeah, they'll chat a little bit, but then like there's some worship playing in the background and they're into it. It's not background. They're worshiping. And then like someone just comes out to start leading in worship, usually like a dude with a guitar, and he just starts, and everyone's like deep end. They don't even start with praise. I went to Brazil thinking it would be like, you know, like, come and shake your body, baby. Like I was thinking something, you know? I did. It was not. Like it was a deep dive from the start. I was like, we're not gonna like, you know, have a literal conga line like. I'm waiting my whole life. But you know what? There's a, a depth and a pursuit that is so evident around the world. Churches that I've seen being a part of, just all over the world, India, like all around the world. Here's what I want to tell you. The church of Jesus Christ is doing just fine. Thank you very much. Around the world, I got a friend who is He's constantly going into restricted access nations and his ministry, he goes as a prophet and he prophesies over everybody. And there's churches that look like this that nobody knows about. Like it looks like this. I mean, and, the, and on the outside, they think it's a factory. On the inside, it's this. The church of Jesus Christ is thriving around the world. And God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh. That's not an opinion. That's scripture. That's, that's on the day of Pentecost. That began, and I haven't read anywhere where God says, and then it's going to stop. <laughs> so 
So here's the deal. God's pouring out his spirit everywhere. Let me tell you something. When I've been in Brazil, when I've been in these other different nations, I never got the sense that what was happening there was special. I had the sense that what was happening there was totally God's heart all the time. So the question is, why is that happening there and it's less here? And I have a word for you. Maybe I'm wrong, but I think I'm right. Hunger. It's the hunger of people. It's the hunger to actually say, God, we want you, and we've stopped being distracted by other stuff. We got to a certain place. We laid down. We got still. We're listening for you. We are hungry for God, and it's expressing itself in our pursuit of God. That hunger actually looks and sounds like something. Hunger actually looks like fasting and praying for 21 days and saying, God, we don't want to just get better at doing church services. We just want you. We're not just singing it, Michael. We're saying, God, we just want you and nothing else. The church of Jesus Christ that is thriving globally doesn't have a whole lot of digital assistance, but God's doing fine. And so the hunger, listen, it's always been that way. On the day of Pentecost, the the Bible makes it clear, Jesus appeared to 500 believers and gave them all many convincing proofs of his resurrection. Okay, That's just good doctrine. Jesus appeared. 500 believers saw him. Then he says to them, don't leave Jerusalem until you've been clothed with power from on high. They're like, okay, we'll do it. So just, just pray. And they're like, you got it. And then... They have to pray, and like they pray for like an entire day, and don't even go home. No one even brought snacks. It wasn't even childcare. And then the prayer meeting went to the next day, and they're like, "Wow, this is super intense." They're like in a prayer meeting, like, "Are you feeling anything?" Well, it feels good, but he said we'd be clothed with power. I feel like I feel like I'm not going to guess at it. I feel like I'm going to be for sure that have been clothed with power. Third day, I'm feeling really good. Are you feeling really good? I think there's more. Okay, well, peace. Somebody, somebody yell out at me. How many people were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? 120. 380 said, peace. And so the, the day of Pentecost actually what we see is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all flesh. Is that what Scripture says? This isn't a trick question. That's what Scripture says, right? God's pouring out His Spirit on all flesh, and yet we see the manifestation of it on 120. Why? Because Scripture also says, in the time of rain, ask for rain. In the time of rain, be hungry and look for what I'm doing. When I'm pouring out my Spirit, be bothered to actually crave and be positioned for that outpouring. And so when you read uh, the book of Acts chapter two, you don't have you know 120 people having an outpouring in the upper room, and then there was also an outpouring on Bill while he was mowing his lawn, and then there was also an outpouring on Mary while she was making matzo bread. Like the fact is, the outpouring was in the corporate gathering. The outpouring was where people had come together And God built the church on prayer, and it's going to remain there. He built it on hunger, and it's going to remain there. And so there's there's this positioning of the heart toward hunger. While Jacob is wrestling through a lot of decisions, while he's wrestling through the next transition of his life, kind of young adult looking at getting married, struggling through destiny, family expectations, got all this stuff going on. There's all kinds of swirling busyness. And when he stopped in a certain place, just a, just a spot where he just got quiet long enough. God had said, I am ready if you are. If you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And in that place, God began to speak. Still in verse 11 there, it says that he took a stone and he placed it under his head as a pillow. I, if it was me, I'd probably just... I'd just probably go without the pillow. Like, I don't know. I'm not a puffy pillow guy, right? Like for me, the perfect pillow is like a towel folded in half, right? 
Like the poofy, if I wanted to sit up, I'd sit up. You know what I mean? Like my wife and I like different kinds of pillows. One time, this is like, this is probably like 20 years ago. I, I come home, I get into bed, and I'm like, I got this pillow that is like cranking me up like the Craftmatic adjustable bed from, you know, like, whoop. And I'm like, hey, what happened to my pillow? And, and my wife starts laughing. She's like, that's so funny. I'm like, what's so funny? She's like, I guess I dreamed it. I'm like, what? <laughs> She's laughing. She's like, I guess I dreamed that you told me you didn't like your pillow. So I threw it out. And I bought you that one. I'm like, well, dreams come true. <laughs> I don't like this pillow. <laughs> it's 20 years ago. I'm still looking for a good pillow. No, the, he's... He stops and he takes a stone and he uses it as a pillow. What is the Bible going out of its way to tell us? This certain place wasn't fancy. This certain place wasn't the place. It's not as though, uh, you know, Jacob's walking along and he's like, what's this? The house of the Lord prayer, uh, prayer place, you know, and walks in and, oh, wow, a pillow for me and, and spiritual equipment and, and, you know, some podcasts that can really prime my spirit. <laughs> what a harp for me. Like, it wasn't special yet. It's just a spot with a rock as a pillow. Somebody needs to get encouraged here tonight. If you want to have an encounter with God, you can start in a certain place. You can start, as soon as you're willing to stop chasing the stuff and start chasing God, God will meet you in a certain place. He'll meet you where it's not fancy. He'll meet you right where you are. And so he used this stone as a pillow and then God began to commune with him during a dream when he's not even trying to hear God. He's just sleeping and then God starts speaking. That's how good God is. He starts talking even when you're not trying to hear. He just gets quiet long enough to hear. And he has this dream and the angels are ascending and descending on a ladder. In Hebrews chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says, in speaking of the angels, God says that he makes his angels winds and his servants flames of fire. Later in verse 14, it says, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? Jacob lays down in a certain place and he puts his head on a rock and begins to sleep and in his sleep has a dream and in the dream, heaven opens up and he sees a ladder that's touching earth and going to heaven and at the top, God's standing there, God starts speaking and angels are coming up and down and they're not just mindlessly taking trips, but according to the book of Hebrews, angels are on assignment to serve your purpose and your destiny. And so there's this revelation of destiny and there's this deposit of heavenly reality that's being taken from the shores of heaven and being brought down to earth like Jesus taught us to pray. Let your kingdom come on earth. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And these angels are bringing a deposit from heaven. And God starts speaking. God is saying to him, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to watch over you. Everything that would echo in Jacob's spirit, about it sounded familiar to what God had said to his grandfather Abraham. I'm going to bless you and make you a great nation. Sounded familiar to what God had spoken to his father. It was this spiritual reality of inheritance. And hear me. That's in the Old Testament context. In the New Testament context, don't get too excited, but Scripture says that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Our inheritance that I'm talking about tonight, what God wants to release into your life and mine, is the inheritance of God himself. That we could actually have an inheritance, a spiritual encounter in the face of God that could absolutely change everything. And all I want to do tonight is just preach the word in such a way that a little bit of hunger might get stirred in you. That if God is doing it all over the world, it's not because he's playing favorites. It's because some people have learned the secret of the secret place. And they've learned how to shut everything off but God. 
they've learned how to not fool themselves. You know, we close our eyes when we pray, not because, you know, we get better reception. We close our eyes when we pray, not because that's how God hears us better. We close our eyes when we pray to, so that we can actually really see. We close our eyes when we pray to actually say, I don't want to be distracted. And then we open our eyes from prayer and they're like, yeah, preach it, Pastor. Man, that's amazing. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> Can you, can you believe he just said that? Here, check out this meme. They stop fooling themselves and saying, I'm hungry enough to shut it down and just get quiet before God. And in that certain place where I get quiet before God, God begins to speak. Verse 16 says, when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. And he was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob has a profound encounter that he actually realizes, this is more than a dream, and I'm not gonna let this fade, I'm not gonna let it slip, but I'm actually first gonna speak to myself about what was going on around me, and that I didn't know, I get a sense that Jacob was saying, I was unaware of the presence of the Lord, and I never want that to happen again. I wanna cultivate my awareness that it would be impossible for God to sneak up on me but that I'm constantly sneaking up on him, that I'm constantly coming after him. What do you do when you awake from an encounter with God? You go back to sleep and just go, oh, that, was, that was cool, what a dream, wow. Last time I ate pizza before I go to bed. <laughs> do you just try to remember it? Do you enjoy it, but then forget it? See, Jacob, was marked by the dream, and therefore he marked that place. He actually allowed an encounter to become a pivot. What's a pivot? It's like if I'm pointing this way and I pivot, now I'm going this way. He actually allowed the encounter to pivot his life in a new direction. I was heading along this way, laid down in a certain place, and God was here, and I didn't even know it. And so I'm not going to let that happen again. He marked the place. He cultivated his awareness of the presence of the Lord. God was here, and I wasn't aware. But now I am, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to myself, and I'm going to tell some other people too. God was here. He said, surely God was here. He cultivated his awareness of the presence of the Lord. Can I tell you something? That's all worship is. All worship is, is cultivating our awareness of the presence of the Lord. That's it. It's our awareness of God. Like when David says, oh, magnify the Lord with me. Guess what? You can't make God any bigger than he is. To magnify God is simply to actually center ourselves on the reality of who he is and become enthralled by him. David is the one who said, you know, there's one thing that I desire of the Lord. There's one thing that I seek. I am forever preoccupied with this. I just want to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and behold him in his temple. I just want to spend time in his sanctuary. And so whatever else you might see me doing, internally, David's saying, I'm preoccupied. Further in that psalm, Psalm 27, he says, when my heart says, seek his face, he just says, Lord, your face I'm going to seek. What's he saying? As soon as I feel the nudge of hunger, I drop everything and I respond. As soon as I feel the nearness of the Lord, I allow myself to remain aware. Worship is cultivating our awareness of God. And as we do that, he becomes enthroned. He sits enthroned on the praises of his people as we orient ourselves around the majesty and the wonder of who he is. Jacob reoriented his entire life around this one moment. Hear me tonight. He reoriented his entire life around this one moment. Oh, that sounds like experiential theology. Okay. Maybe what you know is keeping you from what you should know. 
oh, I, don't, I don't know if I should just, you know, I, I don't think I should just be so experiential. Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. What do you do when you taste something good? That was awesome. I hope I never have that again. <laughs> you reorient your life to the experience and go, man. Yeah, I remember the first time I had Lebanese food. I was like, am I part Lebanese? I need to get this goodness in me all the time. Why? Because when I tasted it was good, I wasn't content with the memory. I wanted to re-up the experience. Jacob reoriented his entire life from this place, this place of encounter. He determined to, to live from this place of cultivated awareness. He actually, he, he looks at the rock that was his pillow and he pours oil on it and he goes, this is, this is Bethel, which means the house of God. And the house of God, Bethel means, he goes, this is the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Listen, an encounter with God should give you a heart for the house of God. Not so you could just be a spiritual tourist and go from conference to conference, church to church, but actually lay down some roots and go, this is the house of God. And I'm reorienting my life here. He, he actually, he says, this is the house of God. Listen, the local church is the house of God and it's the gate of heaven. And it's the gate of heaven and it's the house of God. It's meant to be a place of encounter, not just for yourself, but for others. But then Jacob goes further. And I love the audacity of this. He renames the town. Like he just like, he just, he has this profound encounter with God. I just want you to catch the gravity of what's happening. Jacob had a dream that he refused to let you talk about it like it was just a dream. It wasn't just a dream. I met with God. Don't you talk about it like it was just a dream. God met me. And I wasn't even aware that his presence was on me. So I'm going to make sure that never happens again. Does the first, it just dumps oil on a rock. Okay, that's, that's Bethel. Okay, okay. Goes into town. Excuse me, uh, who's the mayor of this town? Okay. Uh, Mr. Mayor, uh, what's the name of this town? Luz. Luz? Would, would you like an upgrade? I just want you to know we're renaming this city Bethel. See, an encounter with God should redefine the city that you live in. That the city can actually step into your encounter because your cultivated awareness actually causes for people. So what was that? See, I, I've come to this place where I love the stories of revival, but no, but I love the stories of revival. I'm just at the place where it's like, I want some of those stories for myself. You know, like, like the stories of encounter from like a hundred years ago, a hundred years ago in, in Canada, in Canadian soil, where, you know, churches in, I don't know if there's testimonies like this here, but I know of a church in the Ottawa Valley area. I know of a church in, in my region where people were praying and seeking God and the fire department gets called because people are concerned that people are being burnt alive. And then when the fire department gets there, they fall under the power of God because that fire is there, but it's a supernatural fire. It's the fire of the burning bush. It's burning, but not consumed. And people are having an encounter with God in the city because the house of God is the gate of heaven. And you're like, oh, that's, that's a cool story. I just happen to believe the word of the Lord. And I just happen to believe what God has done in the past. I happen to believe that Jesus isn't going to come back for anything less than he left. And that the church that he's building is not a church that is entertaining, but it's a church that's in love with him. Saturated in prayer. And that understands that we are a house of God and a gate of heaven. So he renames the city. And the presence of God impacted all the areas of his life. Listen, all the stuff that I told you he was carrying around, 
He goes, he says this, this is his prayer. He goes, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm, that I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. That's what he's saying. He's going, I am in a journey where I, I've been concerned about my very life. I don't know what God's going to do with me. I don't know if my brother's going to kill me. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to find a wife. <laughs> right? He's just like, I don't know what's going to happen for me. But if God will go with me and watch over me and just put a shirt on my back, provide for me so that I can return to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God. And the stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm reorienting my life out of this encounter. That I recognize from this moment on that the God who spoke to me in this dream and the angels who imparted to me in this dream, that this is meant to change me. And I don't care even if anyone believes me. I'm just going to let this encounter change me. And the litmus test will be if God will watch over me from here. And as I walk with him, if he just puts a shirt on my back and gets me back to my homeland, then I'll know that the God of my father and my grandfather is my God too. It's not an old story of what happened in the Ottawa Valley. It's my experience. And I'm going to reorient my whole life and I'm not in it for me. And in fact, I have reoriented even my provision. I realize that of everything you give me, I'll give you a tenth. I understand that that's not even generous. It's just recognizing. I'm, again, listen to I just got a shirt on my back. But everything that I receive from this point on, I'm going to return it to you to keep building your house. Keep building what you're doing. The Lord will be my God. He reorient his life around that priority. Let's get the worship team to come. Hear, hear me tonight. This night and this place, it's a certain place at a certain time. But God is the same today as he's ever been. And tonight, I believe by God's Holy Spirit that he is desiring right here, right now to cultivate a hunger in us. Listen, not for a bunch of activity, not for a bunch of entertaining experience, but he's cultivating in us a hunger for his very self that we could live our lives reoriented from that place. I want you to stand to your feet if you would all over this place. close your eyes right where you are. Why? We're just going to shut ourselves in with God. Not because we're not in a corporate space, but right now I believe God is speaking to hearts. Speaking to your heart. Speaking to mine. The place where we meet God is meant to change us forever. The place where Jacob just stopped moving, got quiet, and then God surprised him by speaking. Jacob changed everything. He changed the name of the town. He called it the house of God, the gate of heaven. He continued in the journey that he was on with an awareness of God. And determined from that moment forward, that awareness would never leave him. And he walked in a destiny that was made available through spiritual inheritance. Listen, there is an available inheritance in this room tonight. It's God himself. Father, my prayer is that tonight, by your Holy Spirit, you would do what only you could do. I ask, Lord, on the heels of this 21 days of prayer and fasting, on the investment of time and attention and money, the people have come and said, I want to be at this place this weekend. I ask that God, you would you would see us in this certain place. 
and you would hear the cry of our heart and remember, oh Lord, that we're just dust. And we can't do what you've asked us to do, Lord. What, what needs to happen in this nation is beyond the realm of human ingenuity. Lord, we, we confess, I confess, as a leader in your church here in Canada, it's beyond us, God. We, we, we can't do what needs to be done in and of ourselves. Our great programs and preaching and set designs and all. Lord, what we need is the fire of God on the house of God again. We need fire on the altar. And Lord, what I need, I need, I need your face. I need a fresh Bethel encounter with the living God. I need the gate of heaven to be thrown open. The gate of heaven needs to be thrown open into this city. And you want to do it in the house of God. And so, Father, I pray that tonight by your spirit, you would stir that hunger. And that, Father, we would respond when our heart says, seek your face, Lord. Your face we will seek. I want to say tonight in Jesus' name, I want to designate this front area, this front area right here, we've historically called the altar. It's not old-fashioned. It's not old school. It's, it's a place of encounter to actually meet with God. You shut everything else off but God and determine in our hearts that this place will be the certain place that I stop and I cease and I rest and I wait for the Lord. If you're here tonight and you say, I need an encounter with God, I want you to come as fast as you can and I want you to get to this altar if you would. I want you to come as close as you can. Get on your knees if that's possible. And around this room, you, you know, listen, we can sometimes argue ourselves out of encounter. Well, if God wants to meet me, he can meet me where I am and he could do it in my seat or he could meet me on the way home later. It's true, but what does hunger look like? What does hunger sound like? What does it look and sound like when a people get desperate enough, get hungry enough that it looks like there's hungry people in the room spiritually? What does it look and sound like when we begin to crave God? Jesus birth the prayer in our hearts tonight. Tonight, this place is a place of encounter, a place to meet with God. It might be inconvenient for you to try to press your way in, but I, I'm convinced in my spirit, I'm convinced that certain places and a determination like the day of Pentecost to hang in when most went home. There's something about waiting on the Lord that says to God, Lord, I, I meant it over these 21 days. I meant it. I'm hungry for you. I'm hungry for you, God. What only you can do in my church, what only you can do in my family, what only you can do in my life. More than anything you can do, God, I just want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. Reawaken first love in us tonight, Holy Spirit. Reawaken first love in first assembly. Shabbat. Let first assembly be first love assembly in Jesus' name. God, let there be an awakening, God, of first love, Jesus. Let this house be a gate of heaven. Let my life, God, let me never live without the awareness of your presence, Jesus. Come on and express your hunger all over this room right now. Just, just begin to pour out your heart to the Lord. We're going to linger. We're going to wait. We're going to hang on. We're going to pursue God. That's why we're here. We just want you, Jesus. We just want you, Jesus.
Come on, let's just love him tonight. Let's just love him tonight with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our strength. Jesus, we just love you and we honor you tonight. Oh God, we give you all of our praise and all of our thanks and all of our focus and all of our attention and all of our worship because you are worthy. You are worthy. Hallelujah. You know, we were singing this song and <laughs> I don't know, it's just my mind works like this sometimes, but I, I wonder if it was a song like this that Jacob just began to sing as he encountered God. As he, I love you, God, my rock forever. I love you, God, my strength. I wonder if there was joy. I wonder if there was awe. I wonder if there was worship out wherever he was in the middle of nowhere on that night, that certain place where he encountered God. I wonder if he just as the Lord was revealing himself to him in such a, a special way, such a personal way, that he would just stand and sing and just worship. And, and as we were worshiping, I just thought, I wonder on that night if he just worshiped. <laughs> something marked him. Something changed him. And it was in a certain place. It was in a place that he wasn't expecting. Like Matt was saying tonight, it was a, it was a moment. It was a place. You know, God is so good. His presence was there, but he wasn't aware of it. But God is so good because he made him aware of it, that he would never forget it. He would, he would always remember it. And I think even on the day of Pentecost, when they were in that upper room, that they were gathered in that place, and God poured out his Holy Spirit in such a way that it marked them forever. That the ripple effect of that we we're in a room tonight in 2020 in Calgary, Alberta, because of that outpouring of the Holy Spirit that has not stopped since that day and continues, the book of Acts continues to be written around the world. But you know, Matt, when you were talking tonight, my heart just cried out. I said, God, it is time for Canada. And this is why we are gathering tonight. This is why we are in this room tonight. Because we're saying, God, we want a Bethel moment. We want that moment. Lord, we're, we, we need to be aware again of your presence, and we're hungry for your presence. And so, Holy Spirit, would you cultivate a spiritual hunger in our hearts tonight? Lord, a fresh hunger for a fresh season. And God, do it supernaturally by your grace. Oh God, it's all by your grace. We can't work it up. We can't strive for it in our flesh alone, oh God. Lord, we can't just muster it up or try to think positive thoughts for it to happen or, or do enough religious exercise for somehow something to happen. God, it is only by your grace. And so I pray right now in the name of Jesus, pour out your Holy Spirit. Pour out your, the Spirit of grace. Pour out the Spirit of God, Father, upon us like you did. We need a fresh Pentecost tonight, Lord. We need a Bethel moment. We need a moment that will mark us, that will mark us for the rest of our lives. Oh God, do it again, Lord God. Open heaven tonight, Father, upon Calgary. Rename this city, oh God. Rename, Lord, our lives. Lord, how you renamed Jacob. Lord, he went from Jacob, from deceiver, to he went to Israel, to blessing. I pray, rename us personally and remark our city tonight, oh God. We pray, Holy Spirit, just come, Lord God, like a flood, even right now. Come like a flood, we pray right now. Come like a flood and pour out your Spirit upon us. Rivers of living water bubbling up within us, oh God. You know, Heather said to me tonight, she says, I don't think it's a night where we're supposed to lay hands on each other. I think it's a night of encounter. I think Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is laying his own hands on us tonight. I believe it's just you and God tonight. I believe it's just a Bethel moment tonight. Let him lay his hands upon your life. I just see the hand of God. I see the hand of God coming upon your life right now. Now, in Jesus' name, people are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. People are getting healed right now. People, the Holy Spirit, the people are going to be released right now in a prayer language. People are being released to the Holy, the hand of God, the hand of the Lord, the hand of favor, the hand of blessing, the promise that was for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That promise is coming now upon the people of God. That promise is still for today. That promise is still for you that I will make you a blessing. Oh God, that He is pouring out His Spirit right now upon his people.
Come on, people, let's begin to pray in the Spirit. Let's begin to pray in the Spirit and with understanding. Begin to pray a fresh prayer language. Get a fresh language. Get a new name. Get a new revelation. Get a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. Now, 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 now. Kairos moment. Kairos moment is happening in this place. Come on, here it comes, another wave. Whoa, another wave of the Spirit is coming now. Pour out your Spirit, oh God, we pray. Come on, receive a fresh infilling of the Spirit tonight. People are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit right now. Come on, receive a fresh infilling of the Spirit tonight. People are getting baptized in the Holy Spirit right now. 